Kifa. Okay, welcome to Move Left Idiots, uh, Progressive Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montrullo. I am joined by my co-hosts, LaDonna Loki and Max Crone. Guys, how you doing? Very good. I'm doing. (laughs) (sighs) So, uh, I guess let's just get right into it, uh, because I have a lot of shit I want to cover and not so much time (laughs) to do it. Um, Oh, up top, real quick, LaDonna, you said you wanted to uh, recommend, because uh, we previously, in our previous uh, incarnation, uh, did this thing called Our Voice Recommends, uh, so I guess this can be Move Left Recommends, uh, so what's what, what, have, what have you been reading, what have you been listening to? Well, Tori Amos, who I'm a longtime fan of, she has a new release out called Native Invader, and, um, you know, it's interesting, she started this, uh, she started recording this prior to the 2016 election and then had to go back after Trump won and, and kind of revisit some of the things um, that she had written. And so it's got a, a political kind of feel to it in many ways, um, but it's not really the the angry right girl kind of thing. It's really more about how do we take, you know, these kinds of wounds and things that we have politically and how do we transform them and how do we grow? So um, I I definitely recommend it. It's got a different feel than some of her other stuff, but she's matured as an artist and um, I'm, I'm digging the new release. So, yeah. Cool. Um, I'm digging the new Foo Fighters record. Not that that's very political, but (laughs) that's pretty good. (laughs) Um, And actually, the Prophets of Rage record that just came out last week is really good, too. That's the uh, former members of Rage Against the Machine on uh, Chuck D and Cypress Hill. It's like their group, and it's it's very Rage Against the Machine-esque. And obviously, every every song on it's political. I I won't get into each song, but it's it's real good. They advertise it as the soundtrack of the Resistance, so... And they're like real resistance. They're not Mick resistance, you know. They're they're talking about income inequality. They're talking about you know Trump being a piece of shit, you know, fuck racists and all shit like that. So the resistance I thought I signed on to, and I was kind of into yeah. It. The yeah. resistance, <laughs> a, a good percentage of the country thought that they were into, but yeah. Yeah, until I realized that it was all Hillary related. And I'm well, like, no, oh, it, damn it, she ruins everything good. <laughs> it was all a long con to get us all to join the uh, committee to investigate Russia, which we'll, <laughs> which we'll talk about later. Uh, yeah, that's I'll, actually I'll give I'll give everyone a quick rundown of what we're going to talk about today. Um, we're definitely going to talk about St. Louis protests, the uh, defense bill, um, the Obamacare repeal bill, and two websites that are really funny but not for the same reason. <laughs> so uh, with that, let's let's talk about the St. Louis situation because um, over the weekend. Uh, there was another acquittal of a cop who killed another unarmed black man. Uh, cop was, this was named... more egregious even than some of the others. Yeah. This was maybe one of the worst ones I've ever seen. I mean, yeah. I, I, I can't fucking believe that this guy got let off. The officer's name was Jason Stockley, uh, and he was found not guilty of first degree murder in the shooting death of Anthony Lamar Smith. Um, so, I mean, I won't get too, too bogged down into the details of the case because it's just fucking horrendous, but, I mean, if you haven't heard of it, basically, 
they pulled over Anthony Lamar Smith uh, for whatever reason. I don't know if he was speeding or what. Um, and he fled, you know, which obviously you're not supposed to do. Um, they suspected him of dealing drugs, apparently. Yeah. He fled. He hit the cop car as he fled. Um, and they chased him down. And there's dash cam footage from the inside of the cop's car saying, I want to get the quote right. We're going to kill this motherfucker, don't you know it? Yeah. That's an exact quote. Like, if you're going to think about a case like this and you think, oh, well, you know, surely they don't have, you know, an actual recording or footage of someone saying, we're going to kill this person. No, they actually do in this case. And he was still acquitted. It's, it's, it's like that fucking episode of Rick and Morty where they have like the, uh, solved mystery show where they just solve mysteries in like five minutes where it's like, I I killed him. This is how I did it. And this is what I, and it's like so open and shut. You're like, how the fuck? So, okay. So there's clear premeditation. Um, and then obviously he pulled, he eventually, I don't know if the guy crashed or he stopped or what. And the cops shot him within seconds of opening his door. Didn't, you know, didn't tell him that. I don't care if he fucking punched you in the face and sped away. You are not allowed to just summarily execute somebody because they made you fucking chase them. Like, that's not what policing right. is. And right. and this, we've seen them do the same thing to people on foot. Like, that, I, you know, I, I get they're so mixed up because there's so many of them. I think it was the Walter Scott shooting where he ran from the cop on foot, unarmed, and the cop didn't feel like running because he's a fat fuck, and he shot him in the back. And, and it's And we have it on video. And of course the guy, I, I think, I believe also that was the one that planted the taser on the guy after the fact. He kind of, he's on video walking over to him and kind of throwing his taser near him. Because his well, official and, story was that the guy wrestled the taser away from him, which is why he shot him. And there was that aspect of this too. So I guess an unauthorized AK-47. Oh God, um, yeah. That's and then, the most egregious you know, a, a gun that was found, which they said, you know, was recovered from Smith's car. But the officer's DNA was actually found on the gun, not, you know, the accused. <laughs> not not so. the accused, su- yeah, not the suspect. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, fucking hell. I mean, how, how much more clear can it be that this guy planted ever- planted evidence and decided to kill this guy because he was pissed off that he hit his car and fled? And he got off. I mean, he got. Well, a, and know. this officer had been warned. I guess previously he had gotten a 30-day suspension for keeping an unauthorized AK-47 on duty. This was back in 2013. So oh, you know, <laughs> again, zero grounds for you know arguing that any of this is remotely reasonable. So, yeah, I mean, this is just one in a string of a thousand, just heinous fucking examples of of policing just out of control in this country. And the um, judge wrote this 30-page verdict, and he said, you know, he didn't share the state's certainty or the prosecution teams, you know, that they hadn't met their burden of proof. Uh, you know, and so it's like, okay, so in this case, what is the burden of proof that's required? Like, what? I mean, you've got someone saying they're going to do it, doing it, planting evidence, evidence that they planted evidence. Like, I mean, just, just imagine if this was not a cop. And right. like, and and we had all this evidence. That person would be on fucking death row right now. Absolutely, like, it's just unbelievable. Uh, so you know, the residents, uh, especially the black residents of St. Louis, we're not super fucking happy about this verdict, um, as you would imagine. Uh, so I they can blame them. Yeah. yeah. So Cory Bush, actually, who's uh, the first uh, justice Democrat candidate uh, down in St. Louis, but she's been a local activist there for a long time. Um, 
she, I, I don't know if she led or organized, but I know she was at the front lines of, they did a silent protest, basically, where they just marched, uh, you know, down the streets and, like, didn't want to give the cops any reason to fu- to react the way that they always do. And, of course, that didn't stop the cops from showing up like they were, you know, showing up in Fallujah with the tanks and the riot gear and all the fucking crowd dispersal, uh, you know, weaponry. And, um... And that was their point. Like, they, there was no riot there, so why are they all wearing riot gear? Like, they're just uh, asking for it, expecting... I don't know what. Um, I mean, it, it yeah. just reminds me, like... This is this guy I used to work with, Bill. He's an older guy, but he was like, you could tell he was like kind of like a radical back in his day. Yeah. And like this is like years ago, back during the Ferguson uh, riots. I, I I call them riots, but what I really mean is the basically the the cops caused the riot and the people responded. Because uh, anyone that watched that saw how the fucking cops, you know, were just jackbooted and and insanely out of line with their behavior. And we were all kind of talking about it at work, and he said something that was really profound to me. And he's like, uh, well, you show up looking like you're heading into a war zone. What the fuck do you expect people to do? Like, or something to that effect. It was a lot more eloquent the way he said it. But um, it's like you show up to these things, and rather than trying to like talk to the, the protesters and be like, look, we understand you're upset. We want to get to the bottom of the situation. To, like, they just fucking show up and start brutalizing these people. Um, and there were just... I mean, there's video online. You, you, you can go watch. There was a cop that knocked over, like, a clearly, like, 80-year-old, 70-year-old, 80-year-old woman who was just standing there and, like, in they were advancing in kind of a line and she couldn't move out of the way fast enough because she's, like, 80 fucking years old. And right. they just, like, tackled her, basically. And some guy went to help. And the cops pushed him back and shot him with pepper spray. So it's like... There's video footage of people kneeling on the ground, their hands in the air as police spray tear gas in their faces at point-blank range. Um, there's video, yeah, of police throwing multiple people to the ground. Um, the police were yelling, whose streets are streets, um, you know, chanting this. I mean... It's, it's just, the same thing the Nazis chanted in Charlottesville. It's right. the only other place I've ever heard that chant. So I'm sure that's where they got their inspiration from uh that's that's real fucking nice the thing is though it's not their fucking streets it's our streets because we pay their fucking salaries and we pay taxes on those streets and their job is to protect the community not to you know protect themselves and to fucking enforce martial law like that's not what their job is Man, they're the biggest fucking gang in the country they are they're fucking uh, it's unbelievable you were talking about ms-13 the fucking you know <laughs> the fucking PBA is the biggest fucking gang in the country. Um, there was also a video that shows pretty clear evidence of a cop smashing a window of a business and yeah. then and then kind of walking away nonchalantly. Look that up too if you if you're listening. Uh, that's real fucking. And of course, that's just to justify them saying after the fact. And the idiot media constantly will just you know. I mean, I'm sure everyone remembers that picture of the uh, knocked over trash can from Ferguson that was like, had a little piece of paper that was on fire and there were like 50 journalists around it crouched down yeah. taking a picture of it. I mean, that, Because it, that fits their narrative. That yeah. fits their narrative. So if the cop says, oh look, they smashed the window of the barber shop, then the fucking media will be like, oh, well they were violent and smashing windows. And you'll get oh, Don there's Le- looting. There's, yeah, yeah. all of that get Don stuff. Lemon That's what they want to report. Yeah. You get Don Lemon out there being like, 
There's a smell of marijuana in the air, obviously. Or whatever the fuck he says. He was in Ferguson, that fucking... Ugh, God. Fucking uh, go anywhere and there's a fucking smell of marijuana in the air. He's such a fucking... Where do you hang out, Max? No. Anywhere that there's a lot of people. Yeah. Actually, not to get off topic, but I was in D.C. for something. Walked out of a convention... And I'm from Ohio, where it's decriminalized, but still, like, in public spaces, we literally walked out of convention center and instantly smelled ganja. I mean, I look at my buddy, and we're like, what the fuck? Yeah, recreational is legal in D.C., so. Yeah, that's awesome. Sorry, I didn't want to distract from this, but. It'll be legal in Massachusetts soon. Not super far from me. It's like an hour drive away, so. Hey, hot tourism, man. What's, what's most absurd to me about this but, is. Yeah, it's just. You see, like, a guy like Michael Wood always talks about, you know, how... And and this is the way I try to explain it from somebody else, kind of being informed from him. It's like, if I design a car to break down every 10 miles, it doesn't matter how good of a driver or bad of a driver I put in that car. It's going to break down every 10 miles. Our criminal justice system was designed to be racist and oppressive. So it doesn't matter how many fucking good cops, which barely exist, by the way. It's a fucking bullshit narrative. It doesn't matter how many good cops or bad cops are in it. It's going to be a racist and oppressive system. Like, they do think they're going to war. And that's the mentality that's ingrained in them. And, like, they, they don't view the communities that they're supposed to be serving as that. They view it as they are an occupying force in a war zone. Right. Yeah. And, like, I, you know, and you made a good point. And I try to explain this to my older relatives, even some of whom are left-leaning. But they're like, oh, no, cops are good. There's just a few bad apples, which is obviously we know is just not the case anymore. It's like I really want anyone listening to open your mind to to understand that it's not that we're saying all cops are bad. It's that the system penalizes you when you are a good cop. And if you do right. report on your your your, you know, your blue brethren. So basically what happens is that anyone who is a good cop gets the fuck out because they're like, I can't believe this is this is what policing is. And well, and there's an the example media. here. So with this, some of the people that, you know, when they were arrested, they were let out of jail and they hadn't gotten any first aid. So they were released still bloody, you know, from the stuff that they'd experienced. So you think, OK, the a few bad apples thing. Well, surely there's going to be some officer in there who gives somebody something to wipe the blood off of them. Right. Like surely the, the good apples would do that now. Now they'd get the shit kicked out of them if they did. And so unfortunately, the system continues. Yeah. Well, and also, like, it's proven psychology, too, that when people get in a gang, um, not even like a, you know, in the in the you, you way we're used to the word, as in like street gangs or police, there's any kind of that mob mentality. Like, yeah, it is dynamics. Really, yeah. So that's, and we literally, we saw it put on case when they're chanting, whose streets are streets. Like, they're standing, you know, shoulder to shoulder, ready to go to fucking battle. And they're dressed for it, and they're all trained for it, except, like, not really, because in multiple states, <laughs> it takes more training to become a fucking barber than a cop. Um, but it's like, that's, so you have, that is always going to be there. And when you add that to an already, like, shitty system that is inherently going to be racist and oppressive, because that's what it was designed to be, don't be surprised when you get this over and over and over again. Yeah, and no, that's what black people have been trying to tell everybody in America <laughs> for fucking decades. And now white people are listening, some because they can see it on their phones or on Facebook or Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's and that's the other thing. It's a false narrative to say that this is getting worse now. It's always been fucking horrible. We just, as you said, 
we didn't know about it before because it would just be like black people telling white people like, hey, cops are really fucked up and white people are like, oh, well, that's just reverse racism. Now, look, here is fucking video evidence of, of cops being fucked up. Oh my god, cops are fucked up all of a sudden. Like, no, it's just people have been telling yeah, you, you that. You think shit that suddenly in the years. age of cell phones that they just suddenly became this way? No. They are documenting what's been there all along. And I mean, fuck, do people forget Rodney King? I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean Exactly. That's you know exactly. And even just the overall pandemic, I mean, there's a reason that a group like NWA arose with this song called Fuck the Police, because right. South Central LA was it's, it's still a mess, but was such a fucking like the police were some of the worst, and it actually came out it's and like the fucking Gaza Strip there. I mean, the way the cops yeah. treat them. We still have to argue with some of our. I still have to argue with some of my white friends because they'll still pick up people who have dealt with police too. By the way, um, that are like, you know, well, it's crazy to say they're all bad. Well, it came out like a year or two ago. I think it was in Alabama that for like 22 years straight, cops were planting guns and drugs on young black kids. And Unbelievable. It, it's like how much. So it's at a point where it's like either if you've never heard it or you've never experienced it um, and you're not willing to listen to reason, you are choosing to be blind to blatant injustice. I mean, even I, the yeah. yeah. Even the fucking FBI released a report uh, during the Bush years of all, of all t- about how uh, the Klan and white supremacists have made it part of their mission statement, part of their goal to inf- infiltrate law enforcement. And the FBI, it, uh, under the Bush administration, released a report about how they have no idea how many white supremacists and Klansmen are in law enforcement, and they actually it, they made it a goal to infiltrate those departments. So it's like... You know, it's- Funny though is that President Obama's office actually shut that report down. Yeah, of course, because he's a fucking he one deal with the backlash. Yeah, I, he's such a fucking. I, I, I don't know the word. I, 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 there's a word, but I don't want to use it. He, he, he just he always was trying to appear sensible to the right wing because he just never got that they would never fucking accept him. Because as he said, he you know probably when you really boil it down would be considered a moderate Republican in other countries, and he really wanted to be the bipartisan president. Which is why he would do. He would always suppress anything. He wouldn't even talk about marijuana legalization because he thought that that would make him too much of a, a you know, a, the, like a black president. Like he thought that that would hurt. Which his. it's so interesting to me. I have you know conservatives on my uh, Facebook that are constantly telling me how much worse race relations got under Obama, and I, I just it, it boggles my mind how they don't see and and how much you know, more could have been called out that wasn't, you know, during and even that though it's provable that after Trump took office or no, when he even started his campaign, the hate crimes in this country drastically escalated. Yet right. Obama was the one who increased racial tensions. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's, fucking... it's ridiculous. It was, it was all a PR campaign. The only thing that increased during Obama's eight years was fucking gun sales. And that was the whole point of saying that racial tensions were increased is because they weren't they never really increased they were just you know yeah i actually read that that gun sales sales. have gone down you know with trump being in and i'm like well there's finally one freaking good thing to report (laughs) (laughs) oh god well you know so that that that's a horrible situation and it does not look like there's going to be any justice uh for anthony mar smith or his family or or just just you know (laughs) cops not premeditatively premeditatively murdering people uh i I guess i don't know what it's going to take i mean yes we have more you know quote unquote woke you know white people who are 
who are getting involved and standing alongside of people of color, you know, protesting this kind of stuff. And, and none of it seems to make any difference. So I'm, I'm frustrated. Um, I know a lot of our listeners are frustrated and, you know, it's not something that I'm going to shut up about anytime soon. And I, you know, I don't know what else to do. You got to change, change the fucking system. I mean, change the laws like the war on drugs. We know was inherently racist um, and oppressive. Nixon's, Nixon's aide admitted it. Yeah. Right. So like we got to change the laws and we got to change the system. And this is actually like a view that isn't wide, widespread, but I do think as progressives, we need to apply it around the bat. Like, and this is in, I very strongly dislike cops, so I never will defend cops. But in multiple areas, cops are paid like shit. And progressives, we believe that people have to be in a good economic situation or that Absolutely. has multiple effects on their lives. So, and that's, by the way, that's not because, that's because fucking Republicans have been cutting taxes left and right. So then the cops don't get any fucking money. <laughs> and then I have to deal with some random fucking cop calling me, asking me if I want to donate to him. Like, and so. Another another side effect of that is that they use predatory tactics to raise money, like right. fucking speed traps and traffic cams and civil asset forfeitures, which is basically them robbing you if you have cash on you and not being accountable to return the cash. Like it, if they they quote unquote suspect you of a drug deal, the same way we can detain anyone indefinitely if we suspect them of being a terrorist. It's like do they have? But this is and this is where I'll put it back on the cops. They have enough money to buy fucking grenade launchers and tanks, but they don't have enough money to pay their people a living wage and a good pension. They can well, go. That's where they spend all their fucking money because of that stupid yeah. bill that allows them to buy surplus military equipment. So instead of buy, instead of giving their cops raises or paying for new cruisers or essential you know things that they need, they buy fucking like tanks and then make little videos set to metallica and put them on utah like i'm sure you've seen that of the one yeah. cop the police department that bought a fucking tank and like made this music video out of it with of, of this tank like on like an open you know track like fucking well, and there's this whole discussion from cops oh we're out there we're in a war zone well did you ever stop and fucking think why that is why people might be so frustrated and fed up that they do eventually throw shit at you or get violent like that i don't understand all these unarmed people and we roll up in tanks and riot gear and with fucking <laughs> projectile weapons and all of a sudden right. it's a war zone i don't, I don't understand also, they're like they're literally not in a war zone like it is no longer the most dangerous job in the country like no. their death rates are are pretty low so yeah. i i don't it's know it's like the ninth most dangerous job i believe under the last time there, there are jobs that are way more dangerous than the, and it's not to say that your job isn't dangerous but you make your job a lot more fucking dangerous when you kill unarmed black men and when you show up, uh, you know, to peaceful ri- <laughs> peaceful riots, peaceful protests, <clears throat> and start, you know, blasting these people with pepper spray or, like, hurting them into pens and not letting them leave and then fucking attack. That was another thing that they said about the St. Louis thing is that they rounded them up into, like, a pen of people, which we've seen them do on camera before. They basically surround them into a closed group, which causes people to push and get agitated. And then, yeah. then they start pepper spraying them for not dispersing. But it's like, well, you fucking people didn't let us. Li- it look. I mean, if you don't believe at this point that cops are clearly corrupted and are just acting like thugs because it's a system that roots out good cops, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I don't know what else you need to see. But yeah, yeah. Um, well, <laughs> yeah. So that that story is not going to have a happy ending. Um, Speaking of, of stories not having a happy ending, 
<clears throat> we talked about uh, a few months ago the <clears throat> the House uh, passing a defense budget that was even higher than the budget that Trump asked for. Well, that bill just came through the Senate, and um, not only did it not only pass, not it didn't pass on party lines like it didn't pass fifty three to forty nine or whatever. It fucking passed, and all but eight people voted yes on it. So all these fucking resistance people, hashtag resistance, voted to give Trump fucking more money than he even asked for in, de- in defense spending. $700 billion next year alone in fucking defense spending, which is an $80 billion increase over the previous uh, defense budget. Uh, meanwhile, free college is estimated to only cost about 50 to $60 billion a year. So for the fucking money extra... That we gave this bloated defense department, which we know wastes billions of dollars annually. We have actual reports that show about all the waste in the fucking defense department. We could have had free college for every American. But no, we're, we're, we're going to all unilaterally vote yes on this fucking bill for... I, I, I mean, I can't stress enough how much my $700 billion is on defense. <laughs> it's more than the next 12 countries combined. It's, it's, it's just fucking absurd how much we spend on the military. Well, and you look at how much we've increased drone strikes, right, over, you know, Obama's administration, and it looks like Trump is going to increase it even more. So, uh, you know, of course, well, I, I'm not for it, but it's probably a lot more cost effective than other things that we've tried to do in the past, right? Just, you know, well, drop one and walk away. So where is yeah. all this other money going? Well, and that's when that's been, always been Obama's defense for is like, well, well, it's it's more it's more cost effective and it's safer than sending in ground troops, but nobody, no reporter ever, because God forbid they lose their access, asked the follow up question. Yeah, but why are we bombing them in the first place? Why are we involved right. over there? And it, I don't, I, I genuinely don't even know what his answer would be. Like, I, I, like know, there was another group of people that found a cheaper way to kill a lot of people. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I, it's not I mean, a justification. The argument is that these are these are terrorists or these people are a danger to our country. But do they not deserve a trial? Do they not deserve you know? Well, I mean, we justice. You know, like we know that Obama built the drone assassination complex, basically, which is just he would sign off on this kill list every day. It was like, hey, if your drones happen to spot these fifty people, assassinate them. You know, extra uh, extrajudicially without a right. trial, without confirming that that's who they are without worrying about civilian casualties. So, um, I, I just want to go through the list. I'm not going to go through all the lists of the yeses, but basically every Democrat and Republican voted yes on this thing. I'll just go through the list of no's, because that's a much smaller list, and it's not even all Democrats. Um, uh, Bob Corker, Republican from Tennessee, voted no. Kirsten Gillibrand voted no, um, Democrat from New York. Uh, Pat Leahy from... Uh, Vermont, Democrat from Vermont, voted no. Uh, Leaf, a Republican from Utah, voted no. Jeff Merkley from Oregon, Democrat, voted no. Ron Paul voted no. Always great on interventionist, uh, you know, non-interventionist policies. Not good on anything else. Although he's going to save our asses on this health care bill, probably. <laughs> um, not for the right reasons. <clears throat> Ron Wyden from Oregon and Bernie Sanders all voted no. Um, so just, just, just in case you're wondering about some of the yeses on there, uh, progressive champion Cory Booker voted yes to give Trump 
an even higher defense increase than he asked for. Uh, Kamala Harris, another progressive champion who is going to be a great president, according to the establishment, uh, voted yes. Have they given us any justification? War. I didn't see anything no. out there. I, but... I, I saw some bullshit justification. Well, oh, and Elizabeth Warren, who who everyone, you know, we, we all hold that hope is like our only other progressive <laughs> in the fucking Senate, voted yes. So, you know, great. Uh, and this is like, and this is something that I had to go off on, like, as soon as I heard about it, which is, and actually, I, the point just hit me right now. So Rand Paul, who is, like you said, is going to help kill this Graham Cassidy bill because it's not draconian enough and <laughs> won't kill enough people. That motherfucker has, cares more about life. The same guy who does, wants to strip more people of health care cares more about how we spend our money and who we're fucking killing overseas than Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, people who signed on to Medicare for All. Like, you can't say... We're against uh, profits over people when it comes to health care because people will get sick and die and then support literally the direct increase of murder of innocent people overseas. You are, And that's where it's a disqualifier. And I'm sorry, but Elizabeth Warren's out of her fucking second chances. Oh, yeah. In my opinion, like if you can't be anti-war, then you are not you're not a progressive. That's the base of it. That's why I hated Hillary Clinton. Like if you can't she was be the most fucking pro-war anti- Democrat they've ever put forth, you know, in modern era. <laughs> Well, um, I guess to be a viable progressive, you're really only allowed to have one target group as your enemy, you know, so like, yeah, you know, I guess yeah, you could be strong on one Warren, issue. You know, she can go up against Wall Street, but, you know, military has got to be good. You, you get one group. Oh, and speaking of Elizabeth Warren being tough on Wall Street, uh, was out in the Hamptons last weekend meeting with donors. Just that's just, you know, that little chestnut. So, yeah, total fucking disappointment. And I, I don't know what the fuck she's. You know, she, she's listening to the worst possible people around her. You know, it, it's just it, like it, what happened with McCain when he ran. Like, you know, yeah. there were good things about him, and then he ran, and it just erased every single one of them. This is like what happened to Howard Dean after he fucking ran and, got and, and you know, ended up being a, a lobbyist for the health insurance industry. Except she's doing it while she's still in fucking office and hoping to maybe run for president. So, she's, honestly, I, she is to, almost totally disqualified in my mind. And I hate to say that, because... I was really hoping for her, and when she signed on to Medicare for All, I was like, all right, good. She's saying the right stuff, and she was talking tough against Wall Street, but you just can't fucking trust her. She has no courage. She has no courage. She's like every other Democrat. And, you know, for everyone that gets annoyed when we're always talking about how great Bernie is and acting like, oh, there's so many other Democrats, why are you guys all your cult of personality? It's because he's the only fucking one that will vote on these things. I mean, back to the Iran sanctions bill. Uh, or the, I'm sorry, the Russia sanctions bill, which just happened to have Iran sanctions, you know, in them. Uh, the only fucking Democrat to vote against them because he knew it would blow up the Iran nuclear deal. And it might have. Uh, you know, right. Iran said that we're not holding up to our terms. And Iran has been holding up their terms, which even Rex Tillerson is trying to convince Trump of, I read today. Um, but the Democrats, in their fucking fervor to push this Russia narrative, voted on it. So it's not that it's a cult of personality and that it's we're purists. It's that he's the only one who fucking votes the right way on so many issues. You know, and there's a couple other Democrats sprinkled in here, and I give them credit, although not all of them are signed on to Medicare for All. Um, right. But it, it's just, uh, including Pat Leahy, who's in the same state as Bernie, which is crazy to me. But um, I, I'm just so fucking fed up with this party. Like, I don't... I'm sorry to jump in, but no, this yeah, is, I was raised, I was raised, like, during the Iraq War, and an, super anti-war household, so this shit is, like, the fire that was instilled in me. Um, it is, 
it is insane just to see the same quote-unquote hashtag fucking resistance that talks about how Trump's a racist, he's a he's Islamophobic, you know, he needs to let more Syrian refugees in, and then they fucking vote so that that same piece of shit can bomb more Muslims, more people of color, and fucking Somalia, and all over the Middle East, and people in Syria to create more fucking refugees. Yep. So then it just shows you that they're willing to use identity over and over again and never do anything to actually solve the problem, but they'll weaponize it. And it is the most despicable thing because literally I, I'm i just waiting until the data comes out or until we start to see more atrocities happen all over the Middle East. And then we wonder why, you know, they say, oh, they hate your freedoms. Well, you killed that fucking kid's family. So yeah. you, you think he's going to love America? We killed over a million people in the Iraq war. Estimates or, or it could be more. I mean, that's a I fucking really genocide. I really do blame the mainstream media, though, on a lot of this. I mean, not entirely, but I think they could do so much more in holding feet to the fire and holding people accountable, and they just don't, you know? Like, the things that we're pointing out about, you know, the and, you know, Katie Johnston and others have about the MIC resistance or, you know, the, the failure of the resistance to really um, speak when it matters, I mean... Uh, there could be so much more said about it, and it's really only indie media out there that's doing it. Um, it's just you know, unbelievable. So it's clearly, you know, it's clear who they're in bed with and why. Well, and the media literally makes money off of it. Like during the Iraq War, you can go back and watch videos on YouTube and documentaries about CVS would show fucking they would show uh, videos about our newest technology we were using. Let's not remember, and you both are older than me and old enough to probably have watched it or knew it was going on when we had uh, what was it? Um, strike and something when we bombed the shit out of Baghdad and it was televised. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that shit. That it was well, the was it uh, shock and shock and shock and awe. Operation shock and awe. Yeah. So like. I, and I don't know if any of you have ever read 1984, but yeah. there's a scene that that always reminds me of where they talk about how they have it televised, where the helicopters gun down um, immigrants that are, or refugees that have gone off of a boat. And um, that's like the direction that we're heading in. And uh, not the direction. We're actually already there. And Obama didn't do anything to change it. We're a militaristic fascist state. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I mean, porn. somebody pointed out during, during the Syrian uh, missile strikes that Trump just conducted where, you know, all the media was fucking, like, you know, uh, praising it as how beautiful it was. And Brian Williams quoting fucking Leonard Cohen, of all people, um, to talk about how beautiful the missile strikes are. They never show you close-ups of where those missiles land. They show you the missiles taking off because they're, you know, all bright like fucking fireworks in a dark sky. And then they show you really far-off shots of them exploding where they, again, look like fireworks. They don't show the fucking, you know, POV shot of the the you know the guy's family who's who's incinerated by that fucking missile we launch it's just this is like the media blackout of what's going on in yemen you know with yeah. with how we're uh, empowering enabling saudi arabia to do what they're doing and the atrocities which, happening there yeah stays yeah. out of the media too which we well, which we started during obama by the way and we're still continuing under trump so for anyone to say that we have two very distinct parties we don't have an anti-war fucking party. We do not have a party that is anti-war. It, it just does not exist in this country. I mean, we do, but it's, you know, they're, they're third parties. Like, we don't have a major party in this country that's fucking anti-war. No, it's literally the difference is, is how it's, like, the only test is how many civilians are you comfortable with killing and will you torture people or not? 
That's that was the only difference between the Bush administration and the Obama administration. Which fun fact on Hillary again, and I wish she would have written this in her book when she was Secretary of State. Her administration, when she was Secretary of State, approved more arms deals to the Middle East than the entire Bush administration. Yeah. Well, and and you said you know it's about who who will condone more less civilian deaths. I'm not sure Hillary would have because she was trying to institute yeah. a fucking no fly zone in Syria, which might have gotten us into a war with Russia. So. Which might have been her fucking intention, for all I know. I mean, considering the narrative that came out after the election. I, oh God, I, you know, I, I, <laughs> we, we can't talk about the same work because we're all going to fucking lose our minds. But it, it's just... <sighs> if I can say one thing to the yeah, listeners yeah, yeah, of that we have, and like future listeners, like, we need an anti-war movement. And I'm yeah. sorry, but like, I'm not... I'm mixed on this whole like purity test stuff. I mean, my big yeah. one is like corporate dollars, but the second one has to be if you're not against the military industrial complex and if you're not against us drastically changing our foreign policy, you're not serious to me. And you can I even I'm I hope we can get more people like Rand Paul that aren't as shitty on everything else. But even on the other spectrum, like although we know Republicans will never be anti-war because they're all fucking racist, so they like it. They think it's part of the crusade to bring yeah. back Christ. But, you know, it'd be fucking nice if the Democrats could be anti-war, though, like they used to be. It it would be fucking great if, you know, before Bill Clinton fucking just totally decimated the party of progressivism. Um, You know, we we need like we had the Women's March. We need a million person strong anti-war march. And, you know, of course, the powers that be that organize these. And look, if you march in the Women's March, that's great. It was mostly a platitudinal march. Like, there was no... What was the goal of the Women's March? Like, what? Well, yeah. And I'm, I'm not shitting on it. Again, like, I support any kind of protest movement. But we need to funnel that rage and that justifiable anger at the Trump administration into rage at the unbelievably bloated and immoral military-industrial complex. Well, the second that any of these marches have teeth, they're no longer you Well, know, they don't get popular. funding from Indivisible reason, and all these people that fund the women. The reason why that one was, you know, so big was arguably it was the lowest common denominator, which is, you know, female. You go to, go to gender, you're the one or the other, and, you know, most guys will go if they hear women are there, so... It's literally it's the like, easiest thing to support. Like, that's what, you know, Kyle Kalinske says all the time, opposing Trump is easy. It takes real courage to stand up for actual progressive values and progressivism um and if, like, i'm sorry no yeah go ahead like i said this just fucking lights a fire in me if we if we're even if like in terms of movement building and like messaging if we have to just paint it as like this is to get those invisible folks to wake the fuck up and get out there and do something like anti-war wise like if we have to paint it as, you know, Trump is like the worst on this, which he's probably going down the path of being the worst. Obama never did drop a Moab. And Obama's a war criminal, as ev- almost every American president is since World War II and arguably earlier. But still, like, I don't care how we have to message it. Just people need to wake the fuck up and realize that we have to stop going down this path because it's like even if you look at it just purely strategically, it is not better for a national defense. Global terrorism has only increased since we started this. That eighty billion dollars that the that the Democrats went in lockstep to give Trump even more than he wanted for this budget probably could have gone towards fucking war, ending world hunger, and that yeah. would be more productive for our national security than that many more bombs and weapons. So we're talking foreign policy now. Why don't we get into Bernie Sanders' speech? Because I think 
it relates so much to what we're talking about. And um, I think we chat a little bit about this earlier when we were getting ready for the show that uh, it feels like, you know, the, the first decent foreign policy speech by anyone in a long time, someone really coming out and saying what a lot of us are thinking, which is, you know, the idea that if you continue bombing the shit out of people and you continue killing their family and their friends, you know, their loved ones, they're never, ever going to like us. They're always going to be upset. They're all, you know, all of this stuff is going to continue. Rightly rightly so, too, justifiably. Somebody somebody bombed your house. like, like Yeah. Whereas if you did something like, you know, build up the region, you know what I mean, help people like with jobs and housing and other stuff, uh, you would have so much more goodwill, so much more positive feeling about us. That's true. And, you know, and that's a good segue into Bernie's speech because he talked a lot in his speech. And by the way, if you guys didn't see it, watch the whole speech because it, uh, it was genuinely moving. And it was one of the best foreign policy speeches I've ever heard from a sitting politician. I mean, he said shit that I haven't heard that Obama wouldn't have a tenth of the courage to say in a foreign policy speech. And you can it, follow hashtag Bernie FP on Twitter. Yeah, Bernie you should be policy. able to find it or on YouTube. You can watch the whole thing. Um, but he talked about the Marshall Plan, which is, you know, this radical idea. And he said, like, look, it was a radical idea and we need more radical ideas like the Marshall Plan. The Marshall Plan, for those who don't know, although I suspect, you know, most, most people listening do, after World War II, you know, after every war we basically the the vic, to the victor goes the spoils is that saying and basically any anyone who wins a war would just devastate uh the opponents because that was like your victory your war chest basically you'd, you'd take you know whatever resources you want you'd impose whatever kind of you know rule of law or sanctions whatever it may be um divide up their lands but after world war ii america uh you know we, we had this radical idea of why don't we, instead of doing that, why don't we rebuild our enemies and turn them into allies? And what we did was we had this amazing uh, aid program where we re- rebuilt all the uh, Axis, you know, countries and we uh, helped them uh, rebuild quickly after the war. And they're still our allies today. I mean, Japan, Germany, you know, Italy, they're all our allies. And it's only because we didn't, you know, we didn't stomp on them while they were down. We helped them back up. And it's like, that's what we need in the Middle East right now. We need a Marshall Plan. We need a, a, an actual attainable goal for handing off the uh, fighting back of ISIS to, you know, the Afghani military and the Iraqi military. And we need to send them aid instead of fucking bombs. We need to send them aid so they can rebuild their country and rebuild their infrastructure. Um and if they want democracy, great. If they don't, that's great, too. Like, that's, you know. Uh, yeah, well, and there was this great quote from Eisenhower um, that Bernie used in the speech. I'll just read a little bit of it here. Every gun that is made, every warship launched, every rocket fired signifies in the final sense a theft from those who hunger and are not fed, those who are cold and are not clothed. This world in arms is not spending money alone. It is spending the sweat of its laborers, the genius of its scientists, the hopes of its children. The cost of one modern heavy bomber is this, a modern brick school in more than 30 cities. It is two electric power plants, each serving a town of 60,000 population. It is two fine, fully equipped hospitals. It is some 50 miles of concrete highway. And he goes on and on. This was, you know, 50 years ago. And yeah, <laughs> it's great. That was great. 
there was, I, 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 you know, it's a really long speech, but I just wanted to pull out this one uh, passage that was that was really good. Um, foreign policy is not just tied to uh, tied into military affairs; it is directly connected to economics. Foreign policy must take into account the outrageous income and wealth inequality that exists globally and in our own country. Uh, this planet will not be secure or peaceful when so few have so much and so many have so little. And when we advance day after day into an oligarchic form of society where a small number of extraordinarily powerful special interests exert enormous influence over economic and political life of the world. Uh, there's no moral or economic justification for the sixth wealthiest people in the world having as much wealth as the bottom half of the world's population, 3.7 billion people. So six, the six richest people have the same wealth as the bottom 3.7 billion people. That's not depressing at all. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, there's no justification for that incredible, for the incredible power and dominance that Wall Street, giant multinational corporations, and international financial financial institutions have over the affairs of sovereign countries throughout the world. At a time when climate change is causing devastating problems here in America and around the world, foreign policy is about whether we work with the international community, with China, with, oh my God, he said, Russia, uh, <laughs> India, and countries around the world, to transform our energy systems away from fossil fuel to energy efficiency and sustainable energy. Sensible foreign policy understands that climate change is a real threat to every country on Earth, that it is not a hoax, and that no country alone can effectively combat it, it is an issue for the entire international community and an issue that the United States should be leading in, not ignoring or denying. So, I mean, and of course his critics, mostly on the left, of course, because, you know, <laughs> the right wing kind of leaves him alone because they know how powerful and, and actually on point he is. Uh, but <laughs> the left wing loves to bash him. We're talking, like I saw a lot of, you know, anonymous Dem insider. Oh, he says the same thing in every speech. Yeah, that's because he has the same message for 30 years. He doesn't fucking change his <laughs> positions like your fucking queen did, you know, during her political career. But everything he's saying there is right, and it's what nobody will fucking say, is that these people aren't inherently evil. Like, they, like even terrorists are not inherently evil. Like, I know it's a contradiction. They were made thing, that way, yeah. Something... But to say, but like, yeah, they're, they're the same as people who commit crimes in our country. They're just in a different socioeconomic um situation but they're just poor desperate people who get co-opted by these cults of personalities and these people who tell them look you know if you like isis tells them look you join with us you'll have food you'll have power we'll give you a weapon we'll give you a house you know like we'll, we'll... i mean if you're poor they literally say they'll give them women and then they they yeah. make their own like propaganda videos of them driving around in sports cars you know shooting guns off in the air like it's a, it's a propaganda effort to yeah. target poor kids it's not that they're religious they it's like oh my god this is like a fucking jobs program for for poor kids in the middle east in a country in countries we fucking ravaged you know by bombing them into you know in, in hopes of bringing democracy to them according to the bush administration and you wonder why these people turn to these fucking groups. I mean, we know Bush created ISIS by creating that power vacuum in Iraq. And that's and that's what that means. That's not just a, a, a buzz word or a catchy phrase. That's what the fucking power vacuum is. Saddam Hussein... Well, and they're driving around our equipment because we left it all behind. Yeah, yeah, it was cheaper, so... Or we know. fucking sold it to them, which yeah. is a whole nother, you know. We sold it to al-Nusra, who ends up be, giving it to al-Qaeda. And it's like... Ugh. Uh, well, fucking but you know his speech was so inspiring and and i it's just you very rarely hear somebody speak like that about 
needing radical change and needing an actual focus on peace and taking on the military industrial complex. And like you said, he brought up Eisenhower's, uh, you know, farewell speech about the, about the dangers of the military industrial complex and saying, well, you know, unfortunately everything that he laid out has come to pass and then some, um, it, it, it amazes me how much those centrist Dems are really bothered anytime, you know, Bernie comes out there and says anything, anything at all, really. I mean, even if it's stuff they agree with, it's like, you know, well, we can't talk about single payer now because we've got to defeat, you know, Graham Cassidy. And, you know, we, we can't talk about foreign policy now because we've got Trump and we can't talk about, you know, it's like anything he says at all, they're constantly attacking just because it's him. If the same exact words came out of Hillary Clinton's mouth, it would be like, what a revolutionary speech. <laughs> oh my God, it was life-changing. Yeah, that's true. But they never would because she's part of the problem. <laughs> yeah, like, that's true. They're, they're things she would never say anything like this. And Bernie's one of the only sitting politicians I know who's ever said the words Wahhabism. Yeah. Which is, you know, that's, you know, that is the extreme. And I actually have a friend who's from Saudi Arabia, and he's a Shia. So he always jokes that, you know, back home in a Wahhabi state, you know, the biggest enemy is the Shia. So, and back home, he's not a Muslim, according to the state. And then when he gets here, he's a terrorist because he's a Muslim. So you can't <laughs> right. fucking win. Um, but literally, like... That's true, the, though, yeah. I know. With the Wahhabist network, they are funding... And, you know, there's also a proxy war between Saudi Arabia and Iran. That's what's going on in Yemen and, you know, the entire Sunni coalition. And that extends past religion because we all know that religion's always used to just get the little people to believe in it, to fight dumb wars, yeah, to make the rich people even more rich. It's almost but, never about ideology. It's always about fucking money and oil and, you know... It, that's. <sighs> And that's why Bernie, like, he's one of the only people that said, like, we need to stop supporting the Saudis. Yeah. And even, I, I don't know if it was in this speech, but recently I saw something where it was an interview with The Intercept. Where oh, he even yeah, talked talk about, about um, he would, he'd almost be in favor of cutting funding to Israel because of the crimes they're committing against Palestinians. And this is where the people who think that, you know, the religion's so dangerous— if you go, if the ideology is that influential, and there is a level of influence that does factor in with like them massacring Shia all over the Middle East, mm -hmm. but if Saudi Arabia really fully bought into the Wahhabist thing, they would be fucking sending troops not to Yemen, but to fucking Palestine. And they're not. They're actually like best friends with Israel because at the end of the day, all they care about is keeping each other rich and staying on our good side so we can continue to sell them weapons. And that that whole deal started with FDR. We almost ran, we almost depleted a lot of our oil during World War II, and that's what allowed us to win the war. So yeah. we knew that oil was the key to security. So FDR made a deal with uh, one of the al-Sad, the original king, and that's how this whole dynamic started. And then since then, they've literally just been a place where we can dump and dump and dump arms and dump planes and dump missiles. And it's it's part of setting that region on fire. I, the Saudis have such a high level of, and it's it even ties into the whole Syria mess, where you know um, Jimmy Dore talks about how John Kerry talked about how you know the Saudis and the Sunni coalition, which is pretty much everybody down there in the Arabian Peninsula, um, told us we they would bankroll us to go fuck up Syria so that they could lay a pipeline through there so we could well, block the to, Russians to, to institute regime change in Syria. To take out to, to like to take out their government and institute a total regime change is what Kerry said. Like it. Listen, he, we're talking about a lot of really complex foreign policy stuff here, <laughs> but the reality is 
if you just gave fucking air conditioning to most of the Middle East, problem solved. I lived in Arizona. I know what 115 degrees feels like. You will get fucking crazy. Yeah. No. But no, air I conditioning, mean, problem solved. I mean, we, we, we've created that entire problem, kind of like you were saying, Max. We've set that fucking region on fire. And Bernie, in his speech, I, I, another thing I've never heard a fucking sitting politician talk about is the fucking coup that we orchestrated with the British in 1953 to overthrow Mossadegh in Iran, who was a democratically elected prime minister, and we didn't like the fact that he was saying, hey, maybe I should have some say over what our country does with our oil, meaning Iran. <laughs> and, and BP, British Petroleum, was like, whoa, 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 what the fuck are you talking about? And with the CIA, they orchestrated a fucking coup through uh, supporting rebel groups, through propaganda, you know, the shit that they talk about Russia doing, they support, they literally staged a coup and installed the fucking Shah of Iran, who is this totalitarian nightmare. And then, you know, not back, which only lasted for like 20 something years. And then in 79, they overthrew the Shah of Iran and put an even more fucking fundamental, not the US, the people. Uh, overthrew the Shah of Iran, and they, they they turned into an even more fundamentalist fucking uh, nation under Ayatollah Khomeini, and that's all because we fucking meddled in it for oil. So people that people that say we're being ridiculous when we say that we're fighting wars for oil, that was literally a fucking regime change that we propagated for oil, and we totally irreparably damaged the Middle East because of that. I mean, so many things radiate out of Iran, and it's like but oil's time is coming, right? Eventually, you know, we've got better forms of energy that are coming online, you know, solar and other things. So what's going to happen? I think the power structure has to be really, really worried um, that, that, that was coming. Scary yeah. Because the, the Saudi state relies, it's a, it's a welfare state that pretty much relies solely off of the money they make from oil. The biggest, one of the biggest things we could do for the Middle East is a desalinization program. Because right now, at least the Arabian Peninsula part, to my knowledge, has like access to 1% of the world's fresh water. Yeah. And climate change has already caused more droughts. And if Turkey can't produce food, which feeds practically most of the region, it's even more fucked. So we have to, if we can have a desalinization program where we can turn salt water into clean, drinkable water, the problem is it's super energy intensive, but we have the clean energy technology to at least progress it forward. And I actually recently just learned that we were pursuing that path until fucking St. Reagan, like fucked up everything, managed to mess that up too and kill that program that actually could have brought peace and more stability to the Middle East. And, but you know, we don't want peace. Let's just read Let's just... Tell it like it is. Apparently, we don't want peace. And, and it's just fucking amazing to me. It's like, like you said, we it, it is. It's it's a it's a big. It's it's not cost effective right now. The desalination process, uh, desalinization process, but that's only because we're not putting all of our fucking efforts into it. Like I, I've heard Bernie talk about, and I've heard a lot of people talk about what a Green New Deal means. Is basically we need to rally as a nation the way we rallied around. Uh, JFK and the and the Apollo missions, like when when he said we're gonna get to the moon, the whole nation came together and said, look, this is we're gonna fucking do this. We're gonna put all of our efforts into this, and we're gonna you know this is gonna be our our crowning achievement is we're gonna do this. Green energy, we're fighting half the fucking country, or well, not half the country, but half the half you know the politicians in Washington to even admit that climate change is a real problem, which doesn't let us do any kind of major progress in scientific research. Meanwhile. We could be fucking energy independent by 2025 if we really had put our minds to it, you know. Absolutely. 
this is the power structure that's just terrified right now. And that's the only reason why any of this is being slowed down. And it really is being slowed down. Well, and, you know, and Tulsi actually in the House just put forth a great bill. I believe it's called the Off Act or something like that, which is total energy independence, 100% renewable energy by 2035. Um, you know, probably not going to pass right now, but if we get some progressives in there, uh, maybe it will pass and that'll be a actual, you know, and of course uh, Trump isn't going to sign it, but if we get rid of Trump in 2020 and put an actual progressive in there who signs on and makes a priority of their administration the um, basically turning this into a national cause, the way we turn the moon mission into a national cause, that is not only achievable, it is easily achievable because there's some countries that already are almost at 100% renewable energy or energy independence. Uh, is Australia? Is uh, there somewhere? Yeah. Uh, Portugal or Spain, somewhere, somewhere uh, is almost a completely re uh, renewable yeah. right now. Yeah. So it's not only possible, it's something with the, you know, being the richest country in the world that I think we could easily achieve if we actually set out to do it. But when you have politicians like Obama and Hillary saying that they're for an all of the above energy strategy <laughs> and talking about fracking because they get fucking money from the fossil fuel industry, we're never going to get there. And that's the whole point is that they don't want us to ever get there. So we need a revolution in this country about, you know, as we said, an anti-war movement, a climate uh, revolution, an economic revolution, uh, and these and things are all tied together. Really all is tied together. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just like, I, I you know, I, I, I think people are starting to wake up to it. It's just a matter of, you know, how long that takes and whether or not it'll be too late when they do. But, um, you know, we, we, we should, speaking of uh, revolutions and things that may cause revolutions, uh, the Republican attempts to repeal Obamacare, uh, which we thought were dead, uh, are not dead. <laughs> They're still making one last attempt before September 30th, before they can no longer uh, force a bill through with budget, uh, with, uh, budget reconciliation. And this one's worse, even worse than the others. It's, it's the and worst one so far. It's just, it, it's impossible to understand. And the only thing that I can think of is that there's something else that we're, we're supposed we should be looking at that we're not right that we're being distracted from by this bill because i can't think of any other reason why they would put this in it it's not going to pass mccain has come out now and said he's not going to vote for it so it doesn't look like it has any more chance than any of the others mm -hmm. and, i, I, I yeah. wouldn't i'm not super confident that's not going to pass the only two no votes we have committed are Rand paul and john mccain and you know murkowski and collins have not committed to no votes yet uh, well, it, it, Murkowski has come out like they supposedly were trying to offer her, oh, well, you know, we'll allow Alaska to keep, uh, you know, the ACA if you do this. But she has in the past said that she wouldn't make a deal like that that was good for Alaska and which, bad for the rest of the country. So uh, if you're a Republican, you support this bill. What does that fucking say that they have to bribe somebody by saying, hey, you can keep this better health care if you sign on to take health care away from everyone else in the country? Like, what the fuck does that say about this? I just want to go through some of the particulars of the bill because we have some details on it. Um, and, of course, the CBO is not a time to score this. They won't have time to score it uh, because the Republicans put it through at the last minute before the you know budget reconciliation, so they're going to rush a vote on it. Uh, but it cuts coverage for 32 million Americans, 15 in the next year alone, uh, because it ends the Medicaid expansion and tax credits for the marketplaces. So not only does it end the 
Medicaid expansion, which has been such a you know lightning rod of controversy in the red states, it totally does away with the subsidies for Obamacare. So people like me who you rely on those to actually have health care, I can't afford four hundred dollars a month for health care. I mean that's fucking yeah. a good chunk of what I make. Like I can't. Yeah. I just won't have health care. I'll just you know I'll say well work fuck harder. It. Yeah right exactly <laughs> work hard. Um, so it's repeal. It's total repeal. No replacement. No anything. Um, it would raise costs for people by over twenty percent or more uh, based on estimates in terms of premiums and just general copay. For the people that are still on it, not including the 32 million people that it would knock off the plan, uh, it totally does away with the protections for pre-existing conditions, even though they're saying Which it they've doesn't. lied about. Yeah, well, yeah. they did this with one of the other bills. It's tricky wording, because it's like, well, pre-existing conditions are uh, covered, but we're going to let the states determine whether or not they want to actually uphold that provision of the bill. <laughs> Which means that any state that does not want to uphold that is going to do away with it, which much like the Medicaid expansion, which we saw in red state, because again, the fucking Democrats have no spine and with a supermajority couldn't even force through a Medicaid expansion into the fucking Obamacare bill. Uh, any state that doesn't want to be involved with that portion of the bill will just say, oh, well, sorry, in Alabama, pre-existing conditions are uh, not something that we're going to protect you. From, you know, from with from in terms of the insurance company denying you coverage, um, meaning that if you have asthma, you could pay four thousand more each year for coverage. If you're pregnant, seventeen thousand dollars more a year, and if you have cancer, one hundred and forty-four thousand dollars more a year. Um, cut. Oh, this is fucking so great. Cuts healthcare funding for states by four trillion dollars, including funding for nursing home care care for children with disabilities, and mental health care. You know, the thing that Republicans always claim that they're super concerned about whenever there's a mass shooting? Uh, every health analyst agrees that Graham Cassidy will result in massive cuts to state budgets and that people will pay the price. It cuts more than $4 trillion over the next two decades from Medicaid and eliminates Medicaid expansion and tax credits to the ACA marketplaces. Uh, it also totally eliminates the Medicaid program by 2026. Because, you know, I... Uh, I I guess if you're poor, just, you know, <laughs> too bad. Yeah, fuck you, basically. <laughs> this should just be called the fuck you poor people bill, is what it really should be called. I mean, this is a fucking death bill, and there's no two ways about it, and that's why, which is why I'm surprised Rand Paul won't sign on to it, because that seems to be his criteria. But he's saying it doesn't totally repeal Obamacare, because there are some provisions that sensible states are allowed to keep, like the pre-existing conditions thing. Uh, I think there's some Republicans who, you know, who know that they can't vote for this and be blood on their hands. And so they, by saying it's not extreme enough, you know, it's kind of a way to, uh, Rand, to Rand dodge Paul it. is a bit of an idealist. So, I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, so uh, CNN actually announced Monday, uh, this coming Monday, that Bernie and Amy Klobuchar are going to debate Graham and Cassidy on the merits of the healthcare bill, um, which I thought fucking awesome because the Republicans have limited it to something like 15 minutes of debate on the Senate floor entire for the entirety of the bill. And also Democrats say he's not going far enough for them, even though he's not really a Democrat. Well, you know, he should do more. So <laughs> there they go. But uh, Democrats are already, again, to all their fucking, you know, stooges in the media leaking anonymous quotes uh, Alex Seitzwald, 
Dems already worrying that this will allow Republicans to frame Bill as an alternative to single payer. God forbid they fucking do that. Uh, God forbid they frame the most unpopular bill of all time with the most popular bill of all time. Um, quiet griping that Sanders jumped the gun, likely to grow louder. Uh, and there's a couple tweets like that from anonymous Democratic insiders who are, are blaming Bernie for, you know, talking about an awesome health care plan and allowing the Democrats to come on board with it at a time when the Republicans were pushing the most fucking miserable excuse for a health care bill ever produced in the U.S. Senate. So I've had people arguing with me online saying, you know, again, Bernie needs to shut up for 13 days or for this or for that, you know, because... Um, you know, God forbid you talk about, uh, you know, a better alternative or whatever. And their, their excuse is that Republicans are using, yeah, well, (laughs) Republicans are using single payer as the, you know, the reason why they're going to support this. And it's like, that's a bunch of, you know, it's a bunch of bullshit. But it's, but it's like, they're like, yeah, because like, like people like Lindsey Graham are like, well, if this bill doesn't pass the, the, I can't do Lindsey Graham. It's like, if this bill doesn't pass, um, well, then we're inevitably going to end up with single payer. Fucking good. It's the most popular healthcare program that's pro- being proposed right now in America. It's a fucking 60% approval rating. Uh, and it's actually the more fiscal conservative, you know, uh, program that there is. It saves people money and they yeah. don't want to admit that. <laughs> of course not. And it's fucking like the Democrats this is the biggest gift in the world that Bernie gave them is that they can all get behind this bill right now and be like, look, not only are we going to protect your coverage, we know that the ACA is flawed and to reach out to those people that are like, well, I don't like this bill, but I hate Obamacare because I'm still paying hundreds in premiums. May- people that are uninformed, they'll be like, maybe this bill will save me some money. I don't know. I just got to blow up the system. But this is, again, the Democrats not learning from their fucking mistakes that people are not as informed as you know we are in right. policy. They're just going to fucking throw a brick through the window. And if you don't present them an alternative like Bernie did and you just give them more of, oh, America's already great. ACA is fucking awesome. Even though 24 million people are still uninsured. um, Then they're just going to say, well, fuck it. Let's blow it up. And, you know, it's just like if the Democrats unilaterally were like, look, we are for single payer. We want to make sure every single American has coverage, not access to coverage like Cory Booker describes Medicare for all. I want to make sure every single American has health care. Like, that's what they need to be saying and meaning. And it's like, why? and people would be so up in arms that if the fucking Republicans pushed this bill through, people would burn the fucking Capitol down. But, I just want to see what the centrist Dems argue next, because the, the argument was Bernie needs to be quiet until this, you know, Graham Cassidy's dead. So, you know, once when that is dead, what is going to be their next argument for why we can't talk well, about single payer? Chuck Schumer already. <laughs> Chuck Schumer already fucking came out with it. Oh well, Americans want a bipartisan solution to healthcare. No, they fucking don't. Do you see the shit the <laughs> Republicans are proposing? They're trying to kill people. Like they're trying to kill millions of people. Uh, 40, 44,000 people already die in this country every year because of lack of healthcare. That's because that's not um, uh, that's not because of Obamacare. That's with Obamacare. If you're saying I'm I don't support single payer, I am totally fine with Obamacare, and I just want to improve the existing system. You're saying I'm cool with forty four thousand people dying every year because they can't afford health care. If you didn't support that, you'd say, look, I want everyone to have health care, and I want it to be guaranteed for all. And if you're not saying that, then you're saying, yeah, well, forty four thousand people die a year because they can't afford health care, but I guess that's okay. That's an acceptable amount of death for me. So, and 
Yeah. It's such a no-brainer. It's fucking unbelievable if they can't get behind this. And these fuckers, it's like the Chuck Schumers of the world. It is literally, it comes down to two things. It's either you are so incompetent that you don't understand why your political opponents are pushing a draconian, terrible bill. It is the perfect time to push something that is the like complete opposite, something that rarely happens in politics, where you can, they are per- pushing a disaster and you're pushing the actual solution. Either you're inc- too incompetent to see that, or you fucking want to agree with them, and that's why you say shit like, we need a bipartisan bill, and you're content with, like you're saying, Anthony, so many poor people still dying, still not being able to get coverage. And when they do get coverage, they can't afford to go to a normal fucking doctor, so they go to the ER, and it costs us more. Both of those reasons, whether you agree with them or you're incompetent, you're asking to get the fuck out of there. And I... And so there's this whole argument, you know, that the Democrats, have you seen the other guys, right? Well, if you truly believe that you're so different from the other guys, right, that you're, what you're offering is, is so different and so much better, then why are you trying to push bipartisan legislation with the other guy that's apparently so bad? Yeah. I don't get it. Well, and, and it's like, it's just unbelievable. This is this shows you how much the overrated window has moved in Washington. We already have a bipartisan health care bill. We have a fucking right-wing health care bill. Obamacare is a fucking right-wing healthcare bill thought up at the Heritage Foundation with a few good provisions thrown in by, by the Obama administration, basically so people didn't fucking riot because they passed a right-wing healthcare plan. The whole concept of you being forced to buy in to healthcare through private insurers is a fucking Heritage Foundation idea. It's the same thing as Romney Care. So, yeah. so what the Democrats right now who are saying that, Chuck Schumer, the fucking leader of the Democrats in the Senate, is saying is that... I want to work with Republicans to make this bill worse. I want to work with Republicans to make this more of a right-wing health care bill because we already have a fucking right-wing health care bill. So what's the fucking bipartisan solution to, to, to Obamacare? Like, what? It's just unbelievable. So if you buy that load of shit, then you're a fucking idiot. I'm sorry, you're a fucking idiot if you think that's an actual acceptable answer. Or you're a fucking corrupt Democrat who's being paid off by insurance companies in Washington. One of the two. And then you get, like, a situation like we're in in Ohio where you got fucking Rob Portman, who we got to beg not to fucking kill people. And then Sherrod Brown is over here talking about how, well, no, I don't want to support Medicare for all bill because, you know, I'm pushing a public option bill. Motherfucker, the public option was supposed to be in, like, 2008. We should have had the public option with Obamacare, and they fucking killed it on purpose. Yeah. Like, so the people like the Sherrod Browns of the world, too, and like I said, he's the only one we got here, only real progressive in Ohio, or used to be. Yeah. And it's just so fucking disappointing. And I think another thing that's worth noting is that it was a point that was made on Jimmy Dore's show, like so many great points. Um, who was actually sitting in those offices? Who was making calls? Fucking DSA and our revolution. The same people yeah. pushing Medicare for all. When I was in Cincinnati, the people that were risking arrest, 90% of them were fucking socialists or Bernie voters that actually were sitting in Portman's office risking arrest. I didn't see any hill bots. I didn't see any hashtag <laughs> you, resistance. You, you didn't say any pink pussy hats at the fucking... <laughs> and Planned Parenthood, too. Mark? It's been amazing on all this. No, 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 yeah, of course they At the same time. Yeah. Like... It, it just blows my mind. And if you if you present this a Medicare for all option, you are inherently going to be opposed to things like yeah. Graham Cassidy. I it, it's just unbelievable. It, it's fucking unbelievable to me that they that they can't get behind this bill. It's it's so common sense. It's such a gift to them. And it's a it's a, it's even further of a gift because they can't pass it for years because right. of the makeup of Congress and who's in the White House. 
So it doesn't even cost them anything to get behind it and support it, except that they know they'll be held accountable when the time comes for them to pass it. But they've shown us that they don't give a fuck. California, all those people ran on single payer, and when they had the fucking supermajority to pass it, they fucking didn't. So clearly they have no problem lying to voters. So I don't know why they don't just lie about this and get behind it. Because actually, because it's Bernie, and you know, yeah. God forbid that they support anything. Because the fucking yeah, corrupting, but... disgusting influence of fucking Hillary and Obama on the fucking party—it's unbelievable. They're funneling money into their foundations, and they're directing policy. They fucking got Keith Ellison. They didn't want him to win the fucking DNC chair because he was too progressive. So they mm-hmm. sent fucking you know, human slug Tom Perez in there to fucking challenge him. Uh, and it's just we're seeing it over and over again. I just saw, by the way, about the Obama Foundation, which I don't know why he didn't come up with a different name because it sounds so much like the Clinton Foundation. <laughs> real, real fucking great branding on that one, as usual. Um, tweeted, tweeted yesterday for National Peace Day. They tweeted out this quote that that Obama said about about creating a lasting peace uh, in the world, and I'm like, motherfucker, you dropped a hundred thousand bombs in the Middle East. You dropped twenty six thousand bombs last twenty six thousand bombs last year alone. Your last term, like your last year of the presidency. What the fuck? Like, And you didn't leave our country with a real healthcare solution. Obviously, it was better. No one's debating that. But it's amazing. It's the same thing with, like, the Israel-Palestine argument. Just because you criticize really shitty things, all of a sudden, they'll call you anti-Semite. Even other Jewish people, they'll call them self-hating Jews. So then progressives who criticize Obama for not actually putting through a bold progressive health care plan and people still dying and not being able to get coverage, then they act like all of a sudden, you know, you're a racist or you hate Obama. No, I'm critiquing the things that he did wrong when we have real better options or, on the table. Or what they'll say is, oh, well, you know, he tried, but he he was met with unprecedented levels of destruction. <laughs> Motherfucker, he had a supermajority for two of his eight years. First two years in Congress, he could have passed through easily fucking free college, universal health care. He could have passed through all this shit, fucking Green New Deal, you know, 100% renewable by 2030. He could have passed all this shit. He had a fucking supermajority because Bush was so bad. And what did he do? He gave us a bunch of fucking middle-of-the-road right-wing bullshit. So it's and like... You know what he, we're not supposed to remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what he did is instead of challenging those fucking blue dog Democrats who wouldn't get who ended up losing their elections anyway, who wouldn't get on board with the public option at the very least, let alone Medicare for all. He went and fucking they screwed over Dennis Kucinich, who wouldn't get behind Obamacare because it wasn't progressive enough. And he fucking lost his seat because of a combination of gerrymandering and Obama went in there and he campaigned against him. Yeah, that's what they do. That's and that's where you know that these people are corporatists through and through. So all that obstruction bullshit is just a distraction argument. Of course, and well, you said- know, you're not allowed to criticize Democrats unless you're criticizing progressives. That, you know, like, <laughs> oh, then you're allowed to criticize. Normal. Yeah, and Dennis Kucinich wasn't even asking for fucking universal health care. I mean, he that was his preferred choice, but all he was asking was that they insert a public option into the bill, and all the fucking maniac you know, right-wingers around that Obama surrounded himself with, like Rahm Emanuel, fucking crushed that. So that's why he went and campaigned against Dennis Kucinich. Because all he cared about was the fucking policy win and the name, you know, having his name attached to it and having the, the more, the, the you know, superficial victory. He didn't give a fuck. Like, he didn't give a fuck that he took the, that his cronies took the public option out of the bill to, to, to fucking placate the blue dogs in Congress. And here we are. And people wonder why, you know, I, like, look, I'm not a Dem exit guy. And like, I think that you need to as like, I, I think this party is fucking garbage and it's totally broken. 
but I don't think fundamentally that we can change it from the outside in. I think you need an all of the above kind of approach, <laughs> but um, it, it's just, I understand why people think that though. I mean, this party is fucking garbage. Like it really is. <laughs> the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, well, how do I, how do I think we're going to reform this party? I support a viable third party. I don't think there's any. I've, I've tried changing things from, you know, the inside. It's incredibly difficult. Um, I, I think, and I think both parties, both major parties are so corrupt that the only thing we can do is, a, you know, make a third party viable. And I think the only person that can do it right now is Bernie. So, here's yeah. something. He's, and this, uh, what, and I'm with you, but. He wasn't responsive to the draft Bernie stuff. Yeah, and it, it. Well, yeah, he doesn't want to go on record at, at this point. And, you know, I, I understand the the argument, right, that, um, you know, there's a certain infrastructure that the party has that you can kind of benefit from. And, and also just those people that are so blind that they just either hit D or R all the way down the ticket. You know, there's there's a percentage of voters, whatever that is, if it's 10 or 20 or, you know, whatever it is that, that will just always go that way. Um, so I get it, um, but I just don't think that there's going to be any other way of truly making a change with the way that things are with the corruption that's within both parties. From I you you got to do both, in my opinion, and that's where I focus on. Because the fact of the matter is, is we're not going to ever convince the Dem exit people the Dem enter works, and the Dem exit people aren't ever going to be able to convince the Dem enter people yeah. the Dem exit works. So then Trump will keep winning because that's that's the left divided right there. I but I I, I, don't, I don't think I don't think Dem exits actually that big of a, a percentage of the Dem of that. People don't fucking vote anyway. I mean, like I yeah. I, I think that's Dem true. exit is even a small sliver of progressives, honestly, because a lot of progressives I know would vote for Bernie Sanders if he ran against a Democrat. Would vote for a really progressive politician if they ran as a Democrat. And to be fair, I was outed today. I'm I'm actually not a real Democrat. I'm an independent. So no, I that's registered I, I as, would be a fucking independent too if I wasn't being I, forced by my state to register a, a year beforehand to vote in the fucking primary. Well, that was why I did, um, you know, originally uh, to be able to vote for Bernie. Um, so technically, I'm still registered that way. But but truly, what I am is an independent. So okay. I can understand that. Uh, that criticism that I don't get to uh, decide what happens with the nut party. Yeah, but that's, that's fair. That's but then bullshit, they clearly but... don't want my vote. So. <laughs> but that's bullshit. It's like, well, okay, do you want to be a cl- – like they keep talking about how they want to be a big tent party, yet they fucking celebrate these closed primaries where they know that a party-line Democrat is more likely to win. And it's like okay, if you want just... any kind of populist uprising or any kind of popular movement to succeed, which they don't, you would fucking – open your primaries up and allow independents to vote. Presidents win in this country because of the independents that swing it one way or the other. I mean, most yeah. of the country is, you know, pretty firmly decided one way or the other. It's the independents that they need to be courting. And that's why the Democrats should have embraced and should continue to embrace Bernie because he brought more new people into the party than I think any of them have. Yeah, that's true. And that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why we should, at least on one hand, and I don't see it as as divided it could go that way but you can both do the work in lockstep i think the most important thing is that people show up when it matters like for health care regardless of if you're an indivisible chapter or if you're in our revolution chapter that you show up together and i i do think actually so indivisible nationally is pretty shitty but on the ground at least the one i have here in dayton they're actually not too bad so i think there's a lot of people that are 
that are doing good movement building work that do disagree on the overall strategy, but they're still doing the, and they're going to do the work regardless. That's the thing. So we just need to get everybody to actually show the fuck up when it matters. And that's where these labels do matter. Because if somebody, if you're going to miss a significant voting block, just because you're running as a Democrat and you're going to miss a chunk of progressives, that's insane, especially in a state like Ohio. That's insane that you would then let some fucking Republican like Mike Turner win again because yeah. you couldn't support somebody because they don't agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. On the party structure. And again, I don't. I think ultimately if you have a good enough progressive in there, people are going to vote for him or her. Yeah. Like that's not, that's not going to be, you know, all the Dem exit people are just going to, I think, largely show up to vote for a real progressive if they're presented with that option. Uh, if you present them with a fucking health insurance lobbyist like out in New Jersey, the fucking governor for, of New Jersey, the candidate out there for the Democrats is a fucking... Uh, I'm sorry, no, a former Goldman Sachs executive. I get all my corrupt corporate Democrats mixed up. The health insurance <laughs> lobbyist is the fucking chair of the Democratic Party in California now. <laughs> but no, the, uh, uh, You know, it's interesting. I think, you know, if you want people to show up, you either give them something to be really afraid of or really excited about. And that made... 2016 interesting right because for all intents and purposes you had the thing to be really afraid of and it still didn't really um you know wind up making all that much of a difference in terms of voter turnout so i don't know i guess now we better just give them something to get excited about (laughs) well i think where the where the real power is and the real hope one of the only like spots of hope i have is that bernie sanders got more millennial voters than trump and hillary combined so it, it shows us that if you actually and holy shit, let's look at Obama won saying hope, you know, hope and change. So if you actually give people something to vote for and even if you have the if it's better, if you have the right message and the right messenger and Bernie had both of those things, the right message. I would have right thought message. it right. A, a kind old, you know, gray haired. I mean, you just you never would have imagined, I guess, that the sex appeal, the celebrity sex appeal that Bernie wound up having with millennials. It's, it was awesome to watch. Well, according to, you know, the, um, what was it, Gloria Steinem's of the world, the super feminist, you know, the only reason... Hillary Clinton girl, fucking like, said it the other day. The Hillary only reason Clinton, people yeah. like my girlfriend supported Bernie was because all the boys were there, which is... <laughs> this is what Hillary Clinton said the other day, too, on fucking on Good Morning America or whatever garbage oh shit. She was like, oh, yeah, well, a lot of women felt pressure from men to vote. That's the most sexist fucking realize, shit I've ever yeah, heard. Exactly. I was going to say, that is such a fucking slap in the face to these women that you suppose I, I don't even get it who's <laughs> denying them agency to push your fucking narrative that that's the only reason you didn't win women like with women with millennial women because bernie fucking killed her in terms of uh, the millennial female they don't vote. call us misogynist right because we're female so instead they just want to act like it was all about you know we're <laughs> we're out to find husbands <sighs> well you know <laughs> I'm going to wrap it up, but I, I, there's two two uh, l- slightly lighter notes I want to end on. Um, although one's not super light, but it, it, we'll make fun of it mercilessly, so it'll, it'll become a light uh, thing to end on. So, um, if you guys know director Rob Reiner, um, he's a great director. He's directed some of my favorite movies, you know, Princess Bride. Um, did he do Goonies? What, he, he did a bunch of really, you know, great, you know, movies like that in the 80s and 90s um but he's a bit of a lunatic i mean he's had money for fucking years his dad was you know carl reiner he's had money his whole life and he's not super in touch with what people actually care about in this country 
So naturally, like the Bill Mars of the world, who've been millionaires for like 20 plus years, as Jimmy Dore pointed out, uh, he's super fucking into this whole Russia thing. And it's like, not only is he into it, he's like making it the number one priority uh, of his to fucking, you know, save us from the scourge that is the uh, encroaching threat of the Reds. Um, super, super great legacy to carry on, by the way. Of, of in terms of Hollywood, because your entire fucking industry was blacklisted by maniac right wingers during the fucking Red Scare, and you're just basically doing the exact same thing. So I hope you're proud of yourself. You're just like fucking uh, Elia Kazan. Uh, What's his name? Elia Kazan, who fucking narked on all the uh, supposed communists in Hollywood back, you know, during the Red Scare. Um, so he he, along with uh, a group of right wingers, basically, and some left wing you know, celebrities, created the uh, CIR. It was the uh, Committee to Investigate Russia. Um, <laughs> he started it with fucking... Uh, well, I'll read you their advisory board in a minute, but if, if you haven't seen it, look out, go look for... Uh, they released a video where they, they actually uh, paid Morgan Freeman to narrate. Um, it's the most psychotic fucking... It's war propaganda. I mean, you watch it. They literally said, we, 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 we were attacked on November 7th, 2016. We are now at war with Russia. This is a serious... Like, they literally like say, we're at war with Russia in, in this video. Morgan Freeman, fucking the voice of God, says we are at war with Russia. <laughs> um, it, this is fucking lunacy. Like, this is, this is pe- millionaires who have no fucking concerns for the real problem. They could be putting their money into fixing the fucking pipes and flint or any of the hundred problems that we have facing real Americans in this country. But they're getting together in this little fucking bipartisan think tank with Rob Reiner. I'll read you their advisory boards. Rob Reiner, David Frum, helped co-found it. Fucking war criminal David Frum wrote the fucking Axis of Evil speech for George Bush, if you don't know who David Frum is. The fucking maniac. He, he basically helped lie us into Iraq, where we killed a, a million people. He should be in jail. People. He should be in jail. Like, meanwhile, he's fucking meeting up with this liberal, supposed liberal, to start this organization. Uh, Max Boot, who's a right-wing fucking lunatic, is on the advisory board. James Clapper, former director of national intelligence, (laughs) (laughs) who's a fucking massive liar. We have video of him lying to the American people, saying that the NSA never knowingly surveilled American citizens, even though Edward Snowden (laughs) proved. Total fucking lie. Um... Norman Ornstein, uh, who's the American Ent- Enterprise Institute uh, resident scholar, another right winger, Rob Reiner, and Charles Sykes, a conservative lunatic commentator. Um, it, it's just, I, I, I want to read you their about us section because this is one of the most fucking. This is like a bunch of kids playing fucking war in their basement, except that they have money and influence, and they actually might get us into a real fucking war where people die. And no uh, mention, by the way, of where they're getting their money from, because I guarantee you they're not throwing all their own money in. I, no, mean, I guarantee yeah. you they're I using mean, this as a method to raise money for some shit. I'm sure, I'm sure it's coming in from Democratic Party donors, but Rob Reiner put some of his own money into it. And, yeah. And I'm sure, you know, when this actually gets declared, it's not like they're going to send my ass and my buddies who have joined the military for whatever reason. They're going to join, they're going to go on the front lines themselves, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, that's the whole point of this. This is like a... Uh, th- they're declaring their intent to uh, fight on the front lines in this battle. They're, t- <laughs> they're not being irresponsible and, and, and scaring us in, with fear-mongering and, and xenophobia into a war or anything. 
Uh, I, I just want to read you their about us section. And look, we've all acknowledged, like, there is something to Russian, you know, meddling or some undue kind of a, influence, undue influence or, or a, a, a deal. Yeah. But that does not mean we need to fucking start a new Red Scare and, and start a fucking world war over it. I mean, this is this is shit we do to every other country. As we've said a million times in this podcast, we do this shit and way worse. I mean, we talked about all the fucking coups that we staged. I mean, we've done so much worse. And, and then we're acting like because they, uh, as Hillary Clinton said on uh, Steve Colbert the other night, which... What a fucking disappointment Colbert turned into. I mean, where, where's the guy that fucking stood up next to George Bush and fucking mocked him to his face? I haven't seen that guy in fucking years. I miss him. I miss him so I bad. I still take him over Trump, though. <laughs> I would, too, but, I mean, fuck. That's a low bar. Um, yeah. Well, okay, so here, I want to... What? Are you guys saying Bush over Trump? No, Colbert. No, Colbert. Oh, I was about to go the fuck off on you. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. I, I fucking hate when people say that. It's like, that's Nancy Pelosi, another fucking Democratic leader. Oh, my God. I miss, I long for the days of George Bush. Really? You long for the days of this fucking war criminal lunatic who got us into two massive land wars in the Middle East? You fucking, oh, God. I, yeah. Remember, I'm the former Republican on here. I voted for him once. <laughs> I attended a rally. So, oh, go God. easy on me. <laughs> I've well, seen the light, though, so... <laughs> you were young and <laughs> impressionable. <laughs> and the Democrats didn't give you a hell of a lot to vote for, so I can't really play. <laughs> I was too young to vote back then, but... um. You mean Goran Lieberman didn't excite you? Yeah. <laughs> you mean current Republican Joe Lieberman and fucking most boring human being of all time, Al Gore, didn't, didn't inspire you to turn out to vote? Um, God. Any fucking won that election anyway, and it got stolen from him. But you know, whatever. Um, and then he shitted on the Black Caucus when they tried to like say, like, dude, this was stolen from you. Yeah, and he didn't do anything about it. Democrats it's are insane. the fucking worst. And people it's wonder unbelievable. why I had such a hard time changing my registration to Democrat. I mean, there's a history there. <laughs> um. So here, I want to read you the about us section of the committee to investigate Russia because this is just preposterous. This this reads like Eric Garland's fucking Coke journal. Like they like it, it's it's so fucking. Uh, the Russian active measures campaign aimed at um, oh, or or RAM or the acronym RAM because um, everything's phallic with these with these people. The Russian active measures campaign aimed at the United States has been exposed uh, using hacking, Twitter armies, and fake news. The Kremlin engaged in an aggressive effort to subvert the American de- democratic process. Um, again, I don't think there's anything illegal about any of those things. Not not to say that they should be doing it. Obviously, we should prevent it whatever means we can, but that's not... There's been zero compelling proof today of actual Russian hacking. I yeah, think we need no, to we... talk about that first. I mean, yeah. you know, was there interference? Was there advertising meant to, you know, um, divide us? Other things like that? That's not illegal, that... though. Yeah, exactly. Not illegal. <laughs> It, you know, and we do way fucking worse. Like, we've done so many more illegal... And, and this is not to absolve them, but, it's, no. like, that's not illegal. Like, we're not... Do you you, you want to go to war over it? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, so, uh, now only months into his term of office, the president and his staff are facing multiple investigations in the Senate and House of Representatives and by a special counsel for the Department of Justice. Uh, the Committee to Investigate Russia is a non-profit, non-partisan resource... Uh, which we talked about how, how awesome any kind of nonpartisan or bipartisan solutions are nowadays. Uh, 
provided to help Americans recognize and understand that the, uh, the gravity of Russia's continuing attacks on our democracy. All relevant information is aggregated in one place to provide context and allow users to see the full picture of what Russia has done and will continue to do unless we start playing, uh, start paying closer attention. For generations, are there not enough media sources out there already beating the, the <laughs> Russian really, drum here? Hold on, it's a really underreported story. I don't know. What you're <laughs> um, for ge th this last line, fucking kills me. This is where I say this is like right out of Eric uh, Eric Garland's fucking Coke journal. Uh, for generations, people have fought to protect democracy. Now it's our turn. Like that—that's what—that's what this is all about. These people are fucking. They have delusions of grandeur. And they think they're going to save us from the scourge of Russian interference. Like, it, these people are fucking lunatics. Maybe they really miss the old Russia, you know, Cold War plot lines in Hollywood. Maybe that's their real goal here. Is... They do. They, they miss when, when, when they were allowed to be fucking narcs and, and ruin people's <laughs> livelihoods and careers by saying they were communists. It's fucking unbelievable. So, um... Uh, they, on their website, they have a bunch of... It, it, it's it, it's good for a laugh. You should definitely check it out. Um, but they have a key players section, and it's divided into sections. Uh, Trump team, Trump associates, Russians and Ukrainians, uh, investor investigators and officials, and then other. Uh, and in others, they list... Uh, let's see here. Because a bunch of, uh, you know, kind of people that are... I guess tangentially tied into the dossiers and shit, Christopher Steele. But they list Julian Assange as, as you know, one of the key players in this. Uh, I, I want to read you their entry because it was so fucking galling to me. And this shows you that James Clapper's on their board. He probably wrote this in fucking his fucking cell. <laughs> um, Julian Assange is an Australian computer programmer who founded WikiLeaks in 2006. Assange drew worldwide attention in 2010 when his website published a large collection uh, of sensitive military uh, and diplomatic documents regarding the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, provided uh, by former U.S. Army soldier Chelsea Manning. Assange has grown increasingly controversial since then. The United States government believes Assange and WikiLeaks played an active role in helping Edward Snowden, a former NSA analyst, disclose a massive cache of classified documents. That's a real interesting way to classify the fact that he literally got him a car while he was in China to get him from one location <laughs> to the other. And and to also classify it as leaking classified documents uh, instead of exposing massive fucking uh, breaches of the Constitution and, and, and horrible, atrocious things that the NSA was doing. But that's what happens when you have a fucking former director of national intelligence on your board. Um, and of course they're implying that he has, you know, everything to do with leaking this story. Like, this this is this is fucking lunacy. And if you defend this or say, well, you, you know, like this is fucking lunacy, and people that know fucking nothing about politics and don't give give a fucking shit about regular people because they haven't been regular people in fucking decades, if ever, if ever, yeah. Well, Carl, uh, Rob Reiner's never been a fucking regular guy because his dad was rich the second he was born. He's been he's had money, um, and it's just. This is this is the logical conclusion of all this fucking red scaring that the Democrats are ginning up to cover for their fucking failure in the election is that you have lunatics like this starting groups like this that are going to fucking divert attention and resources into a stupid fucking 
bullshit cause like that. It, it's just well, look, I think Assange has been suspect for the last six months or a year. I want to say he's been suspect. He really hasn't said anything negative against Trump right now. I'm not saying that, that means he's in bed with Russia or any part of that. Um, you know, people use this idea that there's a server in Russia as some evidence that, that he's in bed with Russia. He's got servers all over the world. That that doesn't mean anything. It's redundancy that he builds into the system. Um, you know, I do think that there's something going on where either he's trying to work out some sort of clemency deal or something else. And maybe that's why he's being quiet about this administration. I'm not entirely sure. But I don't think it has anything no. to do with being and in bed and with like, Russia. Look, I mean, he's a complicated figure and I'm not... He's allowed to have different views than us. Like he, but that doesn't mean yeah. he's fucking working with the Russians, and that's where their logical conclusion takes them to. But yeah. I, I actually have seen him be a little critical of Trump. Um, he's not a fan of his. I, I think he's about as independently progressive as you know you'll get from somebody who doesn't live in this country uh, in terms of certain issues. I he, he you know he's not. I've never seen him outwardly support Trump either. I, I think he's just like amused that. The Democrats have basically waged war against him for, yeah. for you know, exposing their corruption with the DNC email leaks. So, uh, no, I don't but know. Russia wrote those emails. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is they've never really denied the, the validity of those emails, the Democrats. Donna Brazil kind of tried to, but they've all basically admitted oh, that they were real. she definitely tried to. <laughs> but they realized how stupid that makes them look because other Democrats were saying, oh, yeah, these are real. So then they switch their narrative to, well, you know, we were attacked. We, 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 yeah, we were victims of a, a cyber crime. That could be used to, to show, you know, without question that they were real. Then she had no talking room. And we, and we know they're real because nobody's yeah. outwardly denied any of the more egregious ones. So it's just that they God forbid though, anybody talk about the fact that Hillary sold more arms to the Middle East, and then at the same time, the Clinton Foundation received bundles of donations from the country she was selling arms to. It's unrelated, Max. I don't see the connection. <laughs> and that like led to the death of people in Yemen, this Russian thing. And yes, there's interference. It probably all comes down to money laundering. Yeah. Look, Trump's a corrupt businessman. He's corrupt in real estate. That's and exactly that's... what it's going to come out as. They're not going. Even if there were anything election-wise, they're not going to say anything and bring down the damn government. The only thing it's going to ever come down to is Rico and money laundering. That's what they'll come away with. Yeah. Mark my words. That's what Putin fucking does. Like, let's if we're going to like go after it, let's be real about it. And that's I think. And I get into this argument with so many like other even progressives. Like I have a buddy who. He actually moved me further left than almost anybody else in my life, but he's a former veteran. He's against the war and stuff, but he gets pretty fired up about the Russia stuff um, because he kind of used to work in the national security stuff a little bit, like lobbying and for clean energy, but still is connected. And it's like, yes, the Russians have had an uncomfortable amount of influence in this country, just like the Saudis and the Israelis. And Yeah, you like, want to talk about a country that has fucking undue influence in this, in this country. Israel is fucking country number one that has an, a disproportionate we give them fucking billions of dollars every year and they dictate our foreign policy on their region it's fucking yeah. unbelievable but and try to shut down free speech in our own country yeah no and, and push this fucking that anti-bds bill which is basically like criminalizing you your ability to protest over an apartheid well, government it's and rob reiner eric clapter or uh, Clapper. <laughs> eric yeah, yeah, yeah. jesus um Layla. if all these if all these people actually wanted to like change it, I, I got a really simple solution for you. Um, get money out of politics. 
Yeah. No, and that, that, that would solves, make a world Which of is why they fight that they as hard as that. anything. Yeah, because they want their influence. They've got money and they want their own influence to continue. <laughs> um, yeah, so... <sighs> well, you know... I... Bringing elections and having bots kind of reminds me, you know, of another campaign uh, <laughs> in the near future that did that as well. Yeah. Well, I, I want to end on a lighter note because a, another hilarious website, but that's intentionally hilarious... Uh, somebody made a website called centrism.biz which, with the My name alone. My new favorite website in the entire so world. so fucking funny. <laughs> I just want to read you some stuff from that, but I, I encourage anyone listening to go check it out because it's... It, this this could have been John Ossoff's campaign website, but um, <laughs> the opening image is a guy standing on the mountaintop and surrounded by clouds and it's like, what if a movement stood still? <laughs> Imagine a future where 50% of our autonomous killer robots are programmed by women. 100% 100% of bathrooms in Amazon and Prime 100% of bathrooms in Amazon Prime internment malls are gender neutral. <laughs> Consumers have 24-hour access to solar-powered, Wi-Fi enabled, self-driving homeless people. <laughs> I almost keep my pants after. <laughs> and then the last one's fucking hilarious. The Zuckerberg Foundation sends humanitarian drones from its tax-free space fortress to vaccinate our water supply. <laughs> uh, centrism.biz rejects ideology. Are facts an ideology? Is evidence an ideology? Is zealously pursuing low taxes for the rich, deregulation, privatization, austerity, military interventions, and aggressive policing while ma uh, masking that ideology with feel-good, socially progressive-sounding pablum an ideology? No. <laughs> This fucking website is savage. I, I fucking love it. There's so many things like that. There's like a whole bunch of sections. Anyone, anyone, uh, including a take inaction section, which I thought was really funny. Centrism.biz rises above politics like a mediator or a god or a referee or a god or a peacemaker or your one true god like the Democrats. <laughs> oh, you know, I, he added a policy section. I didn't even see this. This is pretty funny. Uh, free markets. What's good for business is good for everyone, so we must not bite the invisible hand that feeds us, even when the food it's holding is also invisible. <laughs> 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 that freedom goes both ways. If workers don't like a job that pays minimum wage, they should be free to choose another job, <laughs> like homelessness. Uh, I'm sorry, wait, no, like homelessist, hunger technician, or bindle assembler. <laughs> a lot of demand for those. <laughs> It's so fucking funny. I, 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 there's so much good stuff on this website. Um, so yeah, ch check this shit out. Because uh, it's super funny. But uh, Well, you know. <laughs> we had another busy week. Uh, there's some stuff we couldn't get to. Uh, but I'm sure next hey, week. Quick, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. A, if I can give a shout out. Um, one of our really good co-organizers and comrades in this fight and actually like a really good mentor to me and i think everybody else on the field uh Absolutely. jeremy elwood is currently going through you know a, a rough patch he lives up in flint and um he originally had bought a house when they when he was working in politics and um they had a steady income and the, the place was totally stripped so they have massive repairs they have to do to it so i think it's important as we talk about this that we always take care of our own and focus on helping out with you know progressive fighters that have made a difference in individuals lives and the movement's lives so everybody who's listening and everybody who 
can give, please give, and just please, at the very least, share it out. Go to www.gofundme.com slash J L Wood, E L L or E L L W O O D. Um, like I said, great guy. He's struggling. You can read his story there, but he deals with a lot of disabilities himself and is actually currently a caregiver um, for somebody who has MS. So he needs a lot of help. And I, like I said, I think it's important that as we build this movement, we take care of our fellow fighters to the best of our ability. And sometimes that's just sharing something out. So everybody who can do that, please do that. It's GoFundMe.com slash Jellwood, J-E-L-L-W-O-O-D. Yeah, absolutely. And Jeremy's a great dude. And he, you know, any help that you can give him. He's a great guy. He worked uh, down with Canova during his uh, 2016 run. He helped him come really close to unseating uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who, you know, it's just the worst of the fucking worst. So, uh, you know, we always talk about solidarity in the movement, and th- that's a He's way you can show... Yep. He is, and that's a way you can show solidarity, is help out a fellow progressive in need. Um, so, yeah, uh, that, that about does it for us this week. Uh, please remember to rate, review, subscribe uh, on iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to us. Uh, but just iTunes and SoundCloud because those are the only two things we're on right now. Uh, Share (laughs) it out with your friends and spread the word. Uh, We'll have some stuff in the coming weeks. We're working on some uh, sort of structure for Patreon, so we will update you with that. Uh, I don't know what that's going to look like in terms of extra content, but we will let you know as soon as that's all set. And uh, join us next week on Move Left, idiots. Keep up!